if you're managing a team that has one immigrant, it would help you well to get to know that person to listen because that would help you as a team. That will help you as a leader because they probably have a different perspective. They're probably not as forthcoming or you could be saying the same thing and have different, completely different meaning, right? So there's no way to really get around it until you get to know people. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. Hi there, friends. My first book, Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want, is now out in the world. Thank you so much for your support of the book. With your help, we are a number one Amazon bestseller in the business ethics category and a number one new release for time management in business and business etiquette. I have poured my heart into this book with personal stories and stories for my coaching clients using the values first framework. Between the constant pressure of job performance and demands on your time, it's easy to lose sight of your values, letting them shift out of alignment. Those simple misalignments are keeping you from feeling joyful and fulfilled. Learn how to recenter your life and career around what truly matters to you. Order values first now at your favorite independent bookstore or at Barnes and Noble or Amazon. I wanna make sure that you are the first to know about every book activity that we have in store, including virtual and in-person events. Stay up to date by joining our list at thecatchgroup.com slash values first. That's thecatchgroup.com slash values first. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. I'm happy to welcome our guest, Lola Adeyemo. Lola is the founder and CEO of EQI Mindset. EQI is from equity and inclusion. Her work focuses on building inclusion from within corporate organizations, primarily at the individual and people manager team levels. As a certified diversity, equity, and inclusion professional, she leverages her experiences as a scientist with different employee resource groups or ERGs within different functions to tell stories through speaking. She also designs and facilitates custom workshops and strategy sessions for formal business teams and informal teams like ERGs. Lola's background in biochemistry and biotechnology has kept her in the life sciences space. She is currently working towards her doctorate in strategic leadership. Her dissertation is focused on belonging and employee resource groups. She facilitates a LinkedIn group for ERG members across different companies and holds the space with a live Zoom session each month. Her book on immigrant women in corporate America is set for a fall release in 2022. We talked about how Lola's experience as an immigrant in corporate America has shaped her work in belonging, diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
We also talked about how leaders can build inclusive cultures from the bottom up in organizations, how employee resource groups can be spaces for belonging to extend the organization's culture and multiple dimensions that lead to driving a successful employee resource group strategy. Let's get started. Well, I wanted to welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, Lola. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, I am just so excited that we connected and I would love for you to tell our audience a little bit more about you. Can you share your story with us? Sure. So my name is Lola. Um, again, Adeyemo. I was born in Nigeria. So I actually grew up in Nigeria and um, I didn't move to the U.S. until 2009. So up onto my first degree in biochemistry, uh, was in Nigeria. And then I had a short stint for my career at a brewing company, a large global brewing company in Nigeria before I came uh, here to grad school. And coming into uh, grad school was in Texas, um, in Houston, Texas, University of Houston. And I was there for a little less than two years. Then I moved to San Diego, California. And I've been in the biotech, life science and biotech space for the last couple of years. So I recently started my own company. I left corporate in 2020 and started my own company and a bunch of other things. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Can you tell me more about what you're doing in your company and the purpose of your company? Yeah, so my company is called EQI Mindsets. And I didn't realize until a couple of months in that people just assume it means EQI, you know, like EQ. Um, but EQI for me is actually capitalized. So EQ from equity and I is from inclusion. So when I was trying to come up with a name for my company, it was what's important to me? What is my overarching message? What, is, what am I going to be all about? I was like, I want to build equity and inclusion in um, the workplace. And I use work, corporate workplaces because, you know, I've been in large companies. I've been in huge companies and it's a representation of systems of you know, these systems that exist where we can build more inclusivity. So I want to build inclusion, but I don't just want to build inclusion. I want to build it from the bottoms up. Working in corporate, a lot of what I see is probably existing everywhere is the bureaucracy and just you know, the structures. Those, and I feel like the people get lost in, in the mix of trying to make huge impact on the world. And I wanted to do work that helps to give voice to individuals and people managers and the people that are doing the work to where they are able to be supported within the workplace. So I do consulting with people managers who manage teams of three to 10. So I work with them to develop a people strategy, to look for opportunities to stretch their team, sort of like a people strategy planning session and then workshops out of the strategy sessions, developing workshops for the teams, developing a plan for hiring, developing a plan for developing your people. So it's, it's really starting from the need. What is the need? And how is that aligned with where the business goals are? And then I do professional speaking. So I speak in conferences, two leaders, two managers, two HR. And my niche, the one I'm most excited about is employee resource groups, because I think that just cuts across all of the groups I just talked about. And that's a huge way to make an impact within corporate workplaces is employee resource groups. 
Oh, thank you so much for that extra context. So I've been a part of big companies that have had some really robust employee resource groups and some companies that I have worked at that have not so much. And it's really interesting to see kind of the maturity of those that are really great, the ones that are just getting started, the ones that are just getting started. Sometimes it feels like they put a lot of the onus and the labor on those groups, right? And it's almost the opposite of what you're really trying to do. So can you talk about, can you talk about what is a really great kind of ERG employee resource group model look like and how can it foster belonging, like true belonging for these employees? Yeah. And I think when I started working on my own and I got into being what I call an ERG expert, ERG consultant, this because I recognize the need for that, right? You could do it wrong or right either way. If you've had ERGs for the longest time or if you're just starting, there's nothing that says the length of time determines how successful you are. You just, just like every department, just like every business, just like every project, it's just something you have to manage closely. Leaders have to be engaged. The employees have to feel heard. And so just starting an employee resource group and giving people who already have a paid job in a culture that is already overworking them and telling them to do something in addition for your company as an ERG, when you don't have a DEI strategy, you don't have a DEI team or budget. So that means by default, you don't have a budget for the ERG. That's setting them up to fail just so you can check off the box and say, we have an ERG, so we are good. So for the experience to be truly successful, leadership has to be on board. And, you know, put your mouth there, put your money there. And then the employees have to be encouraged to join. It has to be, there has to be an element of intersectionality because there's also the danger of making it exclusive to certain groups. So the goal is that you have the group that the ERG is representing. So that's the group that is being centered, but it should also be a a space where you can use that uh, platform to elevate certain voices, to elevate certain conversations, right? So it should be informational to some other people who are allies who don't know, you know, anything about that group. So I think for the, yeah, there are multiple dimensions to having, to driving success through ERGs, but it all involves like people truly having a heart for it and a passion for it. And knowing that it's a continuous process, there's a growth path, you have to keep working at it and you have to be ready to put the resources to make it successful. Yeah, I love all of the things that you just said. And very specifically, it has to be funded. I think, oh my goodness, there are so many times where they, like you said, they want to check the box to say that they have ERGs and it's a priority. However, it, it gets either no funding or very little funding. And to me, then that's just not a priority. Yeah, and it's not a priority, exactly, because you prioritize what you truly think is important, um, especially within a company. And and I call ERGs uh, spaces for belonging because sometimes we use it as, oh, we want to see if we have enough Black people. So we set up this group for all the Black people so they can go be there. But if your organization is not a belonging place, even if your ERG members find belonging within that group, they're not going to stay. Hmm. They're going to leave. 
So until you understand that, that an ERG creates a space for belonging, but you as a company have to realize that it's an advantage to you. It needs to be incorporated into every part of your business. So you need to invest in, you know, training the ERG leaders. You need to invest in programs for them, right? You need to reward them. It's not just money, however you want to reward, but don't take the hours and the commitment and the passion. Don't take it for granted. There's a lot you can do with it to help the employees, but also to help the company. Yeah, it is absolutely an accelerator of leadership development in a company too, especially for leaders that don't have their own teams. What an amazing way to be able to get that experience too within an ERG, the ERG leadership pipeline, all of that. You mentioned belonging within the ERG, but then how does that then extend to belonging within the whole culture? Because you mentioned if you, if you only have it in the ERG, you're basically building a pipeline for them to exit because they don't belong, feel like they belong in the company. So how can you do that? Well, build it within the ERGs, but then also within the holistic structure of the company. Yeah. And and I think that's, that also has to do with when companies begin to realize that ERG is not just something we set up and we put here right? Your ERG should be, you should be bringing your ERG along with your business strategy. Yeah. That starts with being part of D&I. So what you just talked about, like the culture of the company, all of that is something that should be captured under your D&I strategy. So as a company, you should establish a DEI team. You should have a DEI strategy, but it's not something that sits within the DEI team. It's something that is shared across the company. So your ERGs should be a part of your DEI team. Your ERGs should be supporting your DEI strategy because that's how you're getting the message into all of the teams, to all of the company um, functions, right? So I think ERGs are powerful, but there's still a lot of structure and support that is needed from the company to make everything you're trying to do through ERGs truly impactful. Thank you. I love that perspective. So how has this work and your experience kind of shaped what you're doing, your experience as an immigrant in corporate America, how has that shaped the work that you're doing with ERGs and that sense of belonging? First, I think the dimension immigrant is not something that is leveraged well enough because if you want to explore belonging, look at an immigrant, somebody who's moved and left their family or everything they're familiar with to come into America, that sense of displacement is there. That sense of not fitting in, that sense of what am I supposed to do again? You know, it's questioning yourself and it's regardless of how long, you know, even if you were brought here as a child or you came here as an adult, but then if you not think about it as being in corporate America, because for me, I'm in corporate America and then I'm black. So those were things that, those experiences were new for me. I come from Nigeria. We're all black. So being black is not a thing, right? So I had to get to understand that being black is a thing in America and is also a big deal in corporate America. And and so in the process of trying to understand what's going on, you know, like that initial stage of coming into a new environment and figuring out, I think being an immigrant, you are more likely to observe and not get involved the first few years or whatever the de- definition is in terms of length for you. So maybe maybe that's how it's shaped. Being an immigrant is being very passive. 
sometimes when you should be active because you're trying to figure out what is going on in this space. And I think some, you know, sometimes being an immigrant, you stay too long at that stage and you don't react when you should or you don't process things the right way because you sort of absorb this is how it's done. But the way it's done is not necessarily the right way. So I think for me, it's more of getting through that basic stage, awareness stage, and then finding my voice, finding my purpose, and the way I want to help drive change as really, you know, being a parent from, from my work experience. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. And you mentioned, you know, that it's, it is very, it's a very different experience to literally learn, learn how it, how different things are done and learn how to lead and learn how to be a part of a team, all of those things. What do you see? You mentioned a couple of things already, but what, what other things do you see as you work with other immigrants, coach other immigrants or coach leaders that are leading other immigrants in corporate America? What other things do you see from others that are similar or different from your experience? I think the cultural aspect of your upbringing is very important and the number of years, of course. So the, the respect, the respect part of things, I know that was a big deal for me. It's like, we are brought up to be very respectful of elders. Elders, like if you're older, you know, oh, there's, there's the way you relate is different from the way I relate to my peer or somebody that is younger. But apart from that is the expectation on, placed on you because you are older. So it's not just, I'm not just respecting you. If you're older, you also understand your roles and responsibility. And I think for an immigrant coming into corporate America, approaching it the same way, sort of thinking if you are a manager or if you are an executive, by default, that means you know what is right. Mm-hmm. That means, you know, you have earned it. You know, I got to listen to you. I got to defer to you. And it's not necessarily so because they are bad leaders. They are inexperienced leaders. And, and so being able to rise up against those kind of situations that make us uncomfortable because, you know, you're looking at this person like they have a higher position, but they are not doing things right. Am I in a position to correct them? Am I in a position to tell them otherwise? Um, would that be disrespectful? Would that be rude? So the way corporate America is structured is um, addressing that cultural aspect of our upbringing as an African. And it could be quite confusing. Thank you for that perspective. If you could coach leaders to do better, to manage people in general and specifically immigrants, what would you tell them? What would you tell them that, that they need to focus on? I think individuality is important. I mean, not just immigrant. I think just realizing people are people. Everybody is different. Everybody is unique. So I know there's a structure, there's a system, there's a way you're supposed to relate, but nothing beats really connecting with people because that's how you truly know. You can't can't group everybody together based on whatever you think you know. You have to really get to know people. And that's just the way it is. You know, there's immigrants. if, If you're managing a team that has one immigrant, it would help you well to get to know that person to listen because that would help you as a team. That will help you as a leader because they probably have a different perspective. They're probably not as forthcoming or you could be saying the same thing and have different, completely different meaning, right? So there's no way to really get around it until you get to know people. And you could assume somebody is an immigrant and therefore they think this way. You could be wrong as well, right? So I talked to a lady who is 
white, blonde, but she was born in Nigeria and she grew up there. And she said, well, I'm from Nigeria. Well, if a manager is managing her, she's white and she's blonde. So I'm going to just assume you're white. <laughs> but that's the thing. But she's like, well, this is where I was born. This is where I grew up. This is the kind of values I have. So this is my thinking. And all of that is like this, right? So you can't assume things about people based on physical appearance. You have to get to know people. You have to get to know your team. And I will say, yeah, you can never replace that. Very great advice. So tell me more about your book that you are writing. My book is putting it all together. And I have a working title. It's not the final title yet, but it's about immigrant women in corporate America because it's about immigrant women in corporate America. (laughs) (laughs) But it's about, so before I started my own company, I've worked in four global organizations, four corporate organizations. you know, companies with thousands and thousands of employees and just being in these systems and my experience. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to find out, is it just me or am I seeing something? Am I seeing this, being an immigrant, it's a dimension, but we don't really talk about it. It is a very important dimension. It's a part of my identity, right? Like coming to corporate America, I see whites, I see the black conversation, but none of these, I didn't grow up with any of these. You know, there's a lot of other struggles. There's a lot of other things that I'm dealing with because I'm an immigrant. And there's a lot of barriers that I have to overcome. There's a lot of things I have to unlearn. There's a lot of things that I have to learn, right? And I wanted to get together stories. I wanted to share resources so that an immigrant woman who is new to corporate America or an international student who is thinking of coming into corporate America as a resource, as a guide, something where I have uh, stories, I have collection of stories from different immigrant women, different countries, and share their experiences, their challenges, and insights on how they did it. So I want people who are in that space that I was, you know, years ago when I started my career in corporate America to know you're going to face these, you might face these, there'll be differences here, but if you want to grow, if you want to thrive in corporate America, yeah, some areas um, that you could work on. Yeah, some things you could do. And that's my goal. Oh, I love that you're bringing together so many different voices and then your own as well to help others get a head start on the journey based on your own experiences. So have after talking to all of those women, what kinds of themes have emerged? <sighs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of interesting themes. I, I think. Some of it I wasn't even prepared for. And, and that's what I've enjoyed about this is just talking to people from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being able to say, oh my gosh, that's true for you too. That's true for my country too, right? Um, being able to connect with people and then see communication was a big one. And I don't think I was surprised about that. Communications, you know, in terms of language, you know, my first language is not English. My first language is Yoruba, is a dialect in uh, West Africa and and in Nigeria, West Africa. And in Nigeria alone, we have so many languages. I only speak Yoruba and then English, right? So I thought my English was good (laughs) until I started writing a book and I've written doctoral, you know, things. It's that struggle of thinking in one language and then writing in another language. Like, what exactly are you trying to communicate? And that's applicable in the workplace, right? Yes. Writing, the way you speak, your tone, 
the way you communicate overall, it's a big part of the challenges an immigrant will face because you have a first language that is not English. Even if you do have English as a common language in your country, like Nigeria, it is. If you're educated in Nigeria, you do speak English because there are so many dialects, so education is usually in English. You still come into America and have to figure out, you know, certain terms, certain tones, what things mean, and then incorporate. You're trying to figure out how to get things done, how to get people to listen to you, how to understand what's happening. So communication has so many nuances. And I think I found that um, as a common thread everywhere. And then I also found that it wasn't about when you came here. So I came here when I was 26. And um, when I started working on this book, I wanted to talk to only those that came here, I don't know, at least 21 years old, right? Basically, you grew up as an adult. And I realized there are some people that came here as babies, and there are some people that came here as little kids that still have that immigrant mentality, that culture. is how you are brought up. is what you surround yourself with. And it, and it carries through depending on how it was implanted at, at home, right? So you can be here, you can be here since you were a baby and you can come here at 26 and you still find a strong overlap. Just you saying the broad term of communication, right? Yeah. I think people that were even born in the U.S. and then are in corporate America, they're still learning what corporate America speak is, right? All of the acronyms, all of the, you know, just words that we say in corporate bandwidth and like even within industries, right? Yeah. Industries. And you're like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so as you think about, as you just say the word communication, like it just, it it makes me, um, it makes me heavy because it, because a lot of these things are things that, you know, I'm privileged with and it's, it doesn't occur to many people that that's something that is an added layer that you're working through to, to, like you said, to get the work done. Right. Right. This is, you know, you, you were hired, you're already in corporate America. That means somebody checked your qualifications and Mm -hmm. when it comes to the technical side, you're good, right? Like you have these experience, you have these, or you have this training, but every day you need to learn to communicate with your team. You need to learn to communicate via email, or verbally during meetings. And that does not always come easy when English is not your first language and when you are new to this environment. And that's just one of the themes that that's you found. That's that just one. <laughs> <laughs> that is just one of the themes. Um, is, is, even the spectrum, you know, I, I saw the, the spectrum of leadership styles. And so what was important to me as I was asking the women the questions was, the challenges are there. We know there are going to be challenges because you're coming here. But another interesting piece that came out is where do you think your background, your upbringing and being an immigrant has given you a leg up? Mm. And that was an interesting question to ask them because a lot of times you're in and you're thinking of, oh, I want to figure out what to do. I want to learn what they are doing. I want to do what they are doing. But what a lot of the women actually found out is there are certain things that make it better for me because I'm an immigrant. There are some skills that I bring that I have because I'm an immigrant yes. and I can use that to my advantage uh, in corporate America. I think it's similar to the conversations around working parents and working mom, you know, where people talk about, oh, I don't want to hire a mom, you know, it's too much work. But you've been pregnant, you've carried the baby, you're managing <laughs> kids in the house, you're very organized. 
or you, you know, you have empathy, you know, it's like there are certain things that because of your experience gives you a natural advantage that you can bring to the workplace. But sometimes we need help seeing that, you know, it's not everything that is a barrier that needs to be overcome. Some things are advantages that we need to leverage and it could fill the gap for some of the barriers that we have. What do you think your advantages are, your advantages of your own experience as an immigrant and when, when you're in corporate and now as a business owner? So I grew up in Nigeria and you pretty much have to figure out things for yourself. You know, you're not waiting for the government to give you light or to give you power. You're not waiting for financial aid to go to school. You don't depend on anybody. You are spiritual. <laughs> you depend on God. And you have your close-knit family, your team, and you figure things out. Mm-hmm. So I think that resilience for me, it's kind of easy for me to be risk, less of a risk taker now that I have kids. But I think even moving to the US for me was like, what do I want? You know, I want a degree that in, in the sciences in this area, and I know that I can get a better education in the US or in the UK, because I was looking at both options. And I just went for it, right? I didn't think of the fact that I don't have any family in this country. Mm -hmm. I couldn't carry much stuff. I had to like, just bring two luggages with me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's for me, it's like, you see something that needs to get done, you figure out how to do it. Mm -hmm. You're not waiting for anybody to do things for you. Um, That's how I was brought up. You know, you get creative. You're happy with what you have, but you set goals and you go after it. And I think that has helped me with my work, with, you know, continuous learning. Every year since I've been here, I'll be like, you know, what what am I learning this year? Have I learned anything this year? What is it that I want? And how can I get it? Whatever I have to do, I'll do it, you know, legally do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that that's an advantage. If you come from a background where there's no systems to support you, there's more of your relationships. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, And thank you for sharing your story. It's just so powerful. And the book is gonna be so good. I cannot wait until it is out. I know you're still building it and um, it'll be out later this year, but until then, how can we connect with you? So I'm on LinkedIn. I can share my link with you. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. And then I also have my speaker website. So lolaspeaker.com. Always, always happy to connect and meet with people. And I also met you on that platform. So I feel like I should also give a shout out to the match, matchmaker website. That's right. That's where we connected. Yeah. Yeah. It's where podcast hosts and um, speakers connect. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's good. And it's so funny because it seems like a dating website, but it's not. (laughs) That's what the name makes you think. But maybe that's what it is. Relationship. It matches up, but it makes it sound like a dating website. But thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And I can't wait to dig into your book when it's out. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been nice getting to know you before and after this conversation. I think um, I've just really found that mutual shared passion for making a change for, you know, for getting especially women to own their identity and go after, you know, thriving and moving up in corporate America. So I think there are different ways everybody does their work to get to that point. But the conversations you are having are very important. The work you do is important as well as uh, what I do. 
So thank, thank you, you so much for your partnership. And I'm so excited that we were able to connect. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.